you said something on one of our unepisodes when you went through a, I'll call it a dry time in your PC time, when you didn't really yeah. have the excess money to go buy a new rig, but you made it work. And I've had to make things work also in uh, my music career as well. And I wanted to share some of the things that you learn by really having limited resources. Right. So launch out on let's launch out on the loop and discuss limited resources today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Brian. Hey everybody, this oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw you, you off started. this time. I'm going to throw a curve so you say the last thing. Hey everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. And with that, I realized why sometimes the rhythm and roll isn't as automatic for me to say, because I'm always saying the same thing. <laughs> so, right. So right. I'm like, oh, I'm saying something new, but I've heard it a lot. So anyway. Right. I know, I know, I know. I, I do the same thing, and I'm like, sometimes it's not natural to say so so i'm just going to set it up at the end you're going to say this is josh i'm going to say this is brian and then you're going to say for curiosity (laughs) just to mess with people all right sorry folks okay so limited resources let me share a story real quick about my own life and limited resources in the music world for a long time i only had one bass now for some guys they're like you only had one bass it's like yeah i had a bass and that thing right. better at work because otherwise I was in right. trouble. And fortunately, I've always had very well-performing instruments. I'm, I'm very particular about when I buy something. I take good care of it and make sure that, you know, it, it, it's working well. You don't want to show up at a gig ever and have fun- malfunctioning gear. It's just not cool. And with that, you need some backups as well. But I want to share a little bit because when I moved to Tennessee, I actually had kind of an amp. That was kind of there. It, it wasn't a great amp. And I had one bass. And, you know, I came to town and there was people who had multiple basses, multiple amps sure. and different things. Yeah. That's what I had. I mean, I really had a cable <laughs> and a bass yeah. and an amp. You had, which, you you had, know, a, for you some had a bass situation player, that worked. <laughs> and for most bass players, you go, well, that's all you need. It's like, well, true. When you go into a studio or you're going to other situations, you need a little bit more tooling. But I'll tell you this. I was having a conversation with a, a younger bass player. And we're talking about pedals. So for those who don't know, there's effects, like special effects almost that you add to your instrument. And right. they're called stomp boxes or pedals. And depending on what it does, basically when you run your signal in from the instrument into this thing, it'll do something to the signal. It might make it sound distorted, like a guitar. Like if you hear an electric guitar kind of playing and then you hear it like overdriven or distorted, that's a circuit doing something to the signal to make it sound a certain way. And there's a whole variety of these things on the market, you know, to make your sound different. Some of them are just more functional, like tuners. My situation was I never really felt like I had the money. (laughs) In some ways, I tend to have all these fancy pedals. 
And right. for guitar players, it's very different. There's certain things that you need. But for bass players, you really don't. And as we were talking about it, I, I told the young player, I said, you know, the reason why my like, right-hand technique is very consistent is because I never had the extra money to like, make, have a compressor pedal, to like, have special effects. I had to create the special effects with a very limited resource. It was like my hands and my ears and my instrument and my instrument wasn't infinite. It like did what it did. Right. There were certain things I could and could not do. But that really made me pay attention to understanding what I was working with and overcoming those particular limitations by, by the constraint of just having only one thing. But that really benefited me later to understand this is how this works. This is how I can make this work. And making something work is really the benefit of having a very limited resource coming into more resources. You kind of know what to do with it at that point. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's important to make something work even to, to not to guarantee outcome, but to guarantee a result that you want, the desirable outcome, right? So I know we talked a little bit about this in the unepisode too, but it's kind of like that. It's like, I have one thing I need to, I, I have a goal, an end goal to get. Like for you, it was like, I want to, I got to play bass. I got to make it sound good. And I've got, but I, I only have the bass. So figure it out, right? And so, but then you have to think to yourself, like, especially with like a bass, like what did they do before all the fancy pedals and stuff? So you're like, they had to, you know, they didn't, I know they didn't always do like distortions and stuff. They didn't always do all that stuff, but they did at some point. And then somebody came up with the idea of a pedal and then kind of the rest is history there. So that is an interesting concept though to talk about, which is constraints, right? And everyone has constraints. So all these like, Resources are limited. I don't care if you're the richest man in the world or woman in the world. You have a constraint of something. It just might be different than mine. You know, my constraints, the $20 that I have in my pocket, you know, or these guys might be billions <laughs> of dollars. But it's the same constraint. I mean, they're just thinking like we're thinking, but on much larger scales. So when you approach it, one thing I really appreciate about first-generation wealth builders is... It, by the very nature of that title, like, there wasn't that same wealth in the previous generation. And and most people that are millionaires and billionaires are first generation. Uh, they're not come from money. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's actually most people are. They actually worked for it. There's something rewarding about having that be that way. Mm-hmm. Now, look, and there's also now you see like generations of people where a first generation built it. And the second generation that comes in, there is a really strong stewardship slash stabilization slash scaling thing that kind of comes in a different way when you now have that base level of resources. But part of the, the thing when you really grow a business big or you've built your wealth is that you've found not only how to to serve people in a certain way, right? Regardless of what your trade is or what your industry is, where they're kind of saying thank you and the the show of their appreciation is dollar bills coming right. through <laughs> trading like your time your your talent your resources for that resource of money it's a translation mechanism and then what's happening is you're able to not only do that but multiply right. it right. and then retain now yeah right i mean some people are really great money makers and they just can't keep right it. i mean i always like joke about that with some people that i know that some people are really good at spending money they're also good at making money, so they have the money to spend. 
Like I'm I'm good at making money, but I'm also good at like saving money, which a lot of people aren't. And so I I try to like always be thinking about for me, it's always like I know we always this always devolves into money for some reason because that is like the I think the most resource that people can all have in common. Like we all need it, right? It, to some extent. And and in the economy in which we live, we trade our time and our skills and our goods services rendered for money which helps us you know pay for my house pay for my car whatever but it's yeah, a it's a portable yeah everyone of, knows for example in the united states how much it takes how long it takes them to make a dollar and then once the government cuts out it's like 40 cents of it how much you have left you know <laughs> and then you just keep doing that over and over and over and uh, the government cuts it up even more, and then you get tax on the taxes that you taxed on, and all that stuff. So, it's that is the one part about limited resources and money that is very. When you get older, and if you're younger, like listening to this, like like Brian's son Isaac, he probably doesn't really feel the sting yet. But when you look at your W two, and you're like, or you look at your taxes at the end, and you're like, look how much money I made. I'm like, why am I not rich? You know. <laughs> <laughs> But that's kind of like, yeah. Somebody and so the idea there would be to do more with what you have. And so that's what this whole thing is kind of pulling me towards is how to do more with what you have and to work within that constraint. And making it work. There, my uh, grandparents were, went through the Great Depression. Yeah. They lived through it. Sabrina's grandparents lived through the Great Depression. Now, look. And I'll say this just from my vantage point. That there's a point where you don't have to wash out the plastic bags yeah. again and again to yep. reuse, even though like they're still valid and it's good. But there was no promise of another plastic bag that you could either A have access to or B would be like useful. You used what yes. you had to the full extent of what it is. In a in an economy and in a world where it's like, well, I'll just get another one. It assumes endless supply. The world has really come to realize that there's no such thing as an endless supply chain. Right. And I mean, it, it used to feel like that in the United States. I mean, we were very privileged to live here where I could go to Walmart and get anything I need. I had one of my friends would say to me one time, like years ago, if it ain't at Walmart, I don't need it. <laughs> like went to Walmart for everything. And if it, and I mean, changes oil, you know, food everything that's all that's the only place he shopped like i said well don't you ever go into Publix?" he goes that bougie place no way you know i'm like (laughs) 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 and the guy had tons of money so i was like well he's doing something right you know you see that there there's the actual people who keep their money and then there's the people who look like they have the money. I found, and I found in my life, people. especially my neighbor is that way. I love, I love the guy. He's a nice guy to talk to, um, but he is in, you know, crippling amounts of debt. And uh, he's got two brand new cars. His daughter that is eighteen's got a brand new car, and he's got a boat. He's got, I got all this stuff. You know, he's got nice clothes, which I mean. You know, nice clothes. What I mean by that is like high-end clothing, not just clothes without holes in them. Because that's my, my idea is nice clothes is that. But, um, yeah. And so it's like, what is that? I mean, I don't know how you function day to day with that mo- amount of debt, and and just realizing that that payment comes every month. You know, there's a you have to 
you get used to doing life a certain yeah. way. And, and the outward appearance of know, it. Is look like, at, and you also don't want to change because then that means there's something wrong, right? Like people will see that outward change because there's always a thing to that. Like, you know, like your neighbor gets a new car and then you go get a new car. And then you're kind of like outwardly appearing that you're put together, even though you're not probably. It's usually against things that you feel like is an indicator of how well you're doing. True. You know, and, and honestly here, I'll, I'll just kind of pick a topic and let people argue and things like that. When you, we talk about gas prices, gas prices is a, something that affects yeah. everybody for better or worse, goes up or down. It affects the entire economy Getting, from the top to the bottom because fuel we need for transporting goods and services, um, transport ourselves, our, our, yeah, everything. So When you look at that, you go, well, has your behavior changed? Do you drive around I was t- less? Do you yeah. carpool? I actually had this conversation with my dad um, a couple of weeks ago. I said, he's like, was complaining about gas prices, which my dad doesn't go anywhere anymore. He works from home. And I said to him, I said, well, has it changed the way you do life? He's like, well, not yet. Then I go, then they're not high enough. And I go, that's the econ- economist standpoint, right? Like you raise prices on a good until it gets to the point where it changes the behavior of people. Then at that point, then you're like, okay, now we'll back off a little bit. And that's where the new price is going to be. Uh, I had one guy tell me right out um, when I was doing some consulting long years ago that I, cause I asked him about his pricing structure and he said, well, have you ever had a, somebody tell you it was too much? And I said, no. He says, then you're not high enough. He goes, keep raising, yeah, keep raising the prices on your services until you have people that say that's way too high. And he said, just back it up a little bit. And he goes, that's where you keep it. And I'm like, you know, I've never even, I never thought about uh, that way. But that's also how you keep limited resources limited by, because if they're, they can't be so cheap that everyone just goes and buys it. It has to be when you need it, you're going to use it. And so that's kind of an idea, you know. That very much is a revenue management 101 principle where there's a curve basically of you could sell a bunch at a little or like one at really super high margins. And somewhere in the middle of mixing that is the right spot to be. When everybody says yes, it's too low for probably what you're doing. Now, what that butts up against more than what the market will bear is actually your confidence to be able to present yeah. it. And your moral, and like, do that, you feel moral doing that, you know? Because you might feel like you're taking of advantage of somebody, but you're, yes. but you're not. I mean, you might, I mean, I guess that could be subjective, so. And l- let's say that you're not, let's say like you're not morally hurting the person, right. right? The other dynamic that goes along with this is, do you feel like you're an imposter being there? Like presenting, like if you're like a service provider. You know, I dealt with this when I first launched out on my own. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, yeah. I deal with numbers all day, but the pricing conversation just made me squirm. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I I knew what it took to go find business, to have to buy my own insurance, to have the gear, to show up, to have the knowledge to be able to build it. It was worth it. And yet it was it was one of those things where I going like, but yeah, well, how can I do that? What was happening is that I thought, well, if they're going to hire me to do this, then Maybe they're in the same spot I'm in. I don't know that. And I'm playing all these other assumptions versus just saying it dispassionately. 
And then at that point, you know, if you need to walk away, if they need to walk away, but it helps to find the relationship. It's not a continuous thing. Because what happens often at that point is that it gets very tenuous trying to land where that price should be, you know, and then you're giving more than you think you should and you're getting frustrated or they think they're giving more than they should and they're getting frustrated and it makes for a bad relationship. And it's just breaking down the barriers, you know, of like a good, healthy working relationship with somebody because now you're just thinking about Mm -hmm. the money and on both sides, you're upset about it, but you won't talk about it. And part (laughs) of, and that's just expectation management. So. Oftentimes, like if you're a service provider and let's say uh, I'm going to go consult your business, you say it's $5,000 a month base retainer to be able to go do this work, right? Very reasonable retainer, especially if you're a large business. They might say, but it's a small business might be like, that's my whole payroll for a month. Yeah. Right. And they say, well, I can't afford that. I said, well, let me understand what you're asking for. Why don't we change what we, what, let's fit it within your budget to see if this works. What that does is it, it basically says, hey, you have limited resources, Right. And I am also a limited resource. Let's come to an agreement about what's going to work both here. Of us. You know, if it yep. doesn't work, that's okay. We should actually call it before it ever gets started yep. so that everybody knows that it's not going to And there's work. no hard feelings that way too. So when, when you're thinking about, I just want to like, let's pull this all back together. I think that was a great kind of way to do that. But let's talk, like not even talk about, let's just pull it all back together. So resources are limited. Everyone should know that. And I think everyone does know that. And it, but everyone's ceiling is different. So you might have, you know, it might, you might be talking about toilet paper and you might have hundreds and hundreds of rolls of it, or you might be talking about toilet paper. You might have like two rolls, right? So obviously when you have hundreds of rolls, you might be more free with it. You're like, Oh, Hey, here you go. You have the toilet paper. You have the toilet paper. When you get down to two, you're like, okay, guys, let's, 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 <laughs> let's cinch this back. You know, let's ratchet this back a little bit. <laughs> Same thing with money. When you have a lot, you might be putting, but what I'm trying to say, and I think Brian's trying to say too, is have the wherewithal to know that even when you have a lot of it, it's still limited and you should be looking at it as such. And that actually means that you, you will always have that resource when you need it. Because there's are times when you just need something. And if you don't have the resource, well then... That's you, you didn't manage it. it correctly before. You can learn from that yeah. too. But if you're stuck without toilet paper, it's kind of a big deal. Yep, there's only <laughs> so much you can do without toilet paper in your life. So, and with that thought, let's put a comma here for the day. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Remember, Josh, we promised you'd say it first. Oh, yep, you say first. <laughs> oh, all right, we'll put a comma here. And for curiosity, no, I said that. You- oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> seeing you're just messing me up now. So, what do you want me <laughs> to say? I'll be quiet. Just say your name. Maybe. All right. This is Josh. And this is Brian. Frankie Continuum. <laughs> Sorry. I just am so used to doing it the other way. I know. That's why I want to just mess with you. Thank mm-hmm. you.